Hi, this is Mike Wheeler, co-host of Agility at Work. Unfortunately, that's true in name only today because my friend and colleague Kim Leary, who is almost always seated next to me here, is uh, on the road today. She will be back for our um, our next episode. Obviously, I'll be talking to somebody. The somebody today is Sheila Heen who teaches negotiation at the Harvard Law School and also does consulting and advisory work through uh, triadconsultinggroup.com. She is the author of, co-author, I should say, of Thanks for the Feedback with Doug Heen, with whom she also teaches and consults. A lot of people don't like getting feedback, uh, feel that it's forced upon them, Sheila and Doug came up with some really interesting recommendations in terms of what you need to do as a receiver of feedback to get the most out of that process and ensure that it is a constructive engagement between you and whoever is giving you the feedback. Well, hi, Sheila. It is great to have you on board today. It was also uh, great as to such a kind of vague word. Uh, So listeners understand, uh, Sheila, among other things, teaches negotiation at the Harvard Law School. I'm across the river at the Harvard Business School. It's not that far apart. And I was over uh, last week to do an exercise with your your students. we want to talk about how we develop better interpersonal skills in challenging situations when we're under pressure. Can you describe to our listeners what you had me do, dressing up in costume and so forth, and what you're hoping the students would get out of it? Absolutely. So I should start by saying that this case was actually inspired by our colleagues at the Air Force Academy. I was out at the Air Force Academy about a year ago, got to know the guy there who's teaching negotiation at the moment, a guy named Wolfgang Weber. Um, and he had was using a case, I think was developed by Hal Abramson originally. Um, but it it's a 10-minute negotiation. And so students come in in pairs, they're negotiating with an authority figure who doesn't have authority over them because they, they're peers, they're in two different organizations, but is used to being in charge and is older, wiser, et cetera, um, and who is frustrated, who is frustrated and there's a little bit of history in the relationship where things have gotten off to a bad start between them. I was cast as the frustrated, older, wiser guy. I, I had to play yeah, crank, we, cranky, which came pretty easily, who actually. Could, who could play cranky and mean? Let's see. Let's make a list. Um, so so um, the setup was that you were the director of a regional hospital that sits adjacent to a refugee camp. The country's in the middle of the Civil War. You've lost a lot of staff and are sort of on a shoestring budget and, you know, your, the Ministry of Health hasn't paid your people and they're taking their families to safer places. Um, and the students are co-director, new co-directors of efforts at this refugee camp. And the immediate problem to solve is, is getting 8,000 kids vaccinated in the next week. You, the relationships got off to a rocky start and 
at the point at which they come into your office, you're between surgery and another meeting, you're harried, you're frustrated, you feel like these are newcomers, you don't really understand my country or the challenges, and you try come in here and try to tell me how to run my hospital. And just stepping back pedagogically, part of our purpose is the students are about a month into the course and they're starting to chase at, well, gosh, I'm negotiating only with other people who are learning the same skills and vocabulary. What about in the real world? Does this stuff really work in the real world? And so what we wanted to do was to create a situation where they're up against someone who, at least ostensibly, is not paying any attention to being constructive, is genuinely frustrated and impatient and distracted. Um, and they have a lot to learn, to pull out of them, to understand how, what are your interests and priorities? What are you worried about? What are you concerned about? What are your, what's your advice for how we go about this joint project that is really quite urgent and high stakes and to have time pressure to think about how would I best use 10 minutes with this counterparty? Yes. This counterparty Um, being me, whom you dressed up in surgical scrubs and you hung, what was that? A a stethoscope. stethoscope. Yes. Playing a, playing a surgeon on TV. Yes. That's right. (laughs) And I brought out my inner grumpiness in it. But this is about learning, not analytic skills, right? But it's about interpersonal skills when you're under pressure. Is that correct? That's true. It's also, it's a combination of the analytical skills to listen for and notice what's happening and to make choices about how to engage with someone who's in this state. So they had just learned a bunch of things about listening and listening for interests, et cetera, and also about responding to difficult tactics with listening, reframing, naming what's happening and suggesting a different way forward and changing the players. And so it's also an opportunity for them to actually exercise skills that we've given them some analytical frameworks to think about, but to be able to actually deploy them. Really smart people can get the intellectual, analytical part of it. The, the question for negotiators is, can you then use that in the moment under pressure to actually produce the behavior that is going to help you interpersonally to heal the relationship and make progress as you try to solve a problem? So I was happy to do it. I think I actually played uh, grumpy and remote pretty well. Uh, what, what what was the students' reaction to it? Not just the ones that I was difficult with, but uh, there were other friends and colleagues of ours, older than the students, who were playing this role. What did they? What did your students take from that? Well, so what I noticed. So the first time we ran this case was in January during the intensive workshop. So I I had run it in one round. And one thing I noticed is that it's super energizing for students. It's that we, we play it as a surprise. They walk in the room. The room is dark. You're set up in the corner. You're in costume with just a lamp. There are clues in the room. You have a to-do list up that if they're paying attention, tells them, tells them something about your interests. And just the whole setup is so different than a regular day in the classroom right. that it gets their attention with a jolt. The second thing is that last term, what I noticed is that at the end of the term, we say pick a video, any video, because they videotape every negotiation these days, pick a video and do a video analysis of it, um, of key moments and what advice you have for yourself. And more than 50% of my students chose this video. Hmm. 
because for them, it was like their nightmare negotiator and they could now see what they could do differently. The other thing I think pedagogically, just in terms of learning that is important is that we have them do it. And then we, the, that pair of students steps aside, sits down in the corner in the background, and they have the chance to observe the next pair come in. And so in the debrief, one of the questions that we ask is, what did you notice as an observer that you didn't notice when you were on the hot seat? And what did you notice as you watched others cope with the same person in the same challenge? And they find that like eye-opening as well to sort of be able to step to the balcony, as Bill Urey says, and, and be a fly on the wall. They're able to see so much more of what's going on. Well, at to cite Bill Yuri's work, you know, you're center stage, you're in the spotlight, you're deeply engaged, maybe not successfully with the person with whom you're dealing. And at the same time, there's part of your mind that has to have that detachment, that perspective. But, but let me take this forward a little bit. People are learning about what you do at the Harvard Law School, getting maybe an inkling of what I do over here at HBS. But uh, a lot of people have day jobs and aren't in programs of that sort. I'm wondering, this is sort of like the interpersonal skills exercise that uh, mm -hmm. at least you used to do in your teaching. And let me describe it and then you can correct me. But somebody identifies what the most challenging thing in negotiation is, you know, where somebody isn't paying attention or they, the other person throws a, a fit or maybe deliberately misstates what you've just stated yourself. And you pierce that person or actually trio them up so that that's the problem I have. Somebody else is going to act in the same way I did as the disgruntled doctor and a third person is going to coach, right? So it's a trio do I, am I imagining that, or is that something that you did at least at one time? Yeah, not only did we do it at one time, it's it's coming up next week. Everyone in that trio has a particular personal issue that they're trying to get better at, and they rotate those responsibilities. I'm wondering, in the training that you do outside of the university, or even things people might do spontaneously if they could recruit a couple of friends and say, listen, we need to get better at negotiation. It would be nice to be better at the relational side of it. Can we copy this thing we heard about from, from Sheila Heen? Do you, do you think it has to be situated in the course, or is this a good way for warming up for what people anticipate is going to be a challenging negotiation? Well, I do think that it's it's useful to do outside of a course, right? And, you know, I use it sometimes in my work with clients and consulting. And part of what makes it helpful is that you bring a situation that is challenging for you and a thought about a skill that you want to improve or hone. Outside of the course, I can do that or I can think I've got a situation coming up. I'm worried about how it will go. Let me recruit a friend or family member who'd be willing to help me prepare for this. And the first step is just for the person to interview you as yourself about what are you worried about? What are your interests and priorities? What's the worst case scenario? What would be a good outcome for you, et cetera? How are you thinking about approaching it? Just so, so, we don't, so we don't lose it, Sheila. One is that you might get good advice, might well get good advice, that there's another way of looking at it. The other thing I think is valuable is it actually requires you to articulate what you think your plan is. 
I think it, I think there's some discipline yes. involved in that. Absolutely. And what you, what your interests and concerns are and your worries are and what a good outcome would look like and feel like and what a terrible outcome would look like and feel like. And just having someone ask you about that gives you space to reflect on it right. and get a richer understanding of yourself, right? Because you're negotiating with yourself in part. On your last point, I've learned a lot actually from maneuver doctrine from the military. It is much more fluid and supple than you might imagine. And the Marines are often kind of the first line of engagement. And they have a principle when they have to make a decision quickly, thinking what's the most likely thing to happen? What's the most dangerous thing that could happen? Yeah, that's it, great. It doesn't cover 100% of the possibilities, but the, at least they're looking at the span of things it's covering a lot of ground. But but I jumped in here. I love that. You were just going for the first step of recruiting somebody to coach you on your plans. What else would you add to that list? Well, so I think that some of the listeners probably do some of this, maybe not in this structured way often, but you know, you're going to talk it over with friends over dinner or whatever. The, the thing that I think is special about this particular exercise that you can bring into your real life is that the, in the next step, you actually switch physical chairs and you play your own counterparty, not in the negotiation, but your friend now interviews you as your own counterparty. So if, if your counterparty, Mike, was your, um, a business partner named Bill, you would actually play Bill. Mm -hmm. And the friend starts by saying, what's your name and how old are you and how long have you known Mike? And so that you have to speak in the first person sitting in someone else's chair or standing in their shoes. And there's a ton of research around how speaking in the first person and having a physical space, a chair that is not your own chair, it's actually their chair. The way our brain is worked, it's works, it's often oriented toward physical space. So if you look at the subculture of extreme memory competition, they're using physical space to remember long lists of things, ah, like ah, they're right. placing them in a place in their head. So this capitalizes on some of that way that our brain is wired. And so you're sitting in your counterpart's chair being Bill, and your friend is simply interviewing Bill using some of the same questions. What are your interests here? What are you worried about? What would be a good outcome in this conversation with Mike? What's your worst nightmare of what might happen with Mike? I would also add a couple questions. What do you think Mike doesn't understand about what's going on with you? And you, of course, who are playing Bill, have to think, from Bill's perspective, what do I, Bill, think Mike doesn't understand? And there's a way in which you can tap into a broader and sort of more robust perspective of your counterpart by actually being them that we often don't do. Like over dinner with our friend, we say, oh, I already know what Bill thinks. But we're really saying it from right, our perspective right, rather right, than right. saying it from Bill's perspective. And that's powerful. And it's only after that step, in step three then, you get to come back and be yourself again. And then you and the friend would talk about, okay, well then let's practice a couple of things for how you might approach Bill. And now your friend can play Bill because they've gotten to know Bill. And um, you can kind of try a bunch of different skills or approaches, et cetera, and see how it goes. In my experience, when I work with with clients of various sorts, 
I think people are getting better at preparing for negotiation in the sense of running the numbers, of reading the contract language, maybe trying to learn something about the counterpart that they're, they're dealing with, maybe sketching out a plan. I don't know that many people prepare for the relational dimension of it, and you've been describing ways at no expense other than asking a friend for some some coaching, they can do that. Do you encounter in your consulting and advisory work the same thing, or I just am fishing in the wrong pond? I absolutely notice the same thing. And by the way, John Richardson's name has come up yes. a couple times already in our conversations. Um, full disclosure, of course, he's my husband and teaches over at MIT at the Sloan School. But he actually assigns his students what he calls behavioral homework. And so he tells them, you know, in the next week, before I see you again, this is your behavioral homework. You need to go home and find an opportunity to, rather than respond to someone, ask them at least five follow-up questions Hmm. to listen more deeply to what's something that matters to them. And then when they come back to class, they report on that. Or you need to go out to a merchant and just ask whether something is negotiable or look for a Pareto opportunity to grow some value, make a suggestion. Hey, what if I did this? Would that be valuable to you? If I needed five of these, would there be a discount, et cetera? Right. And it, because you're, you are afraid of the rejection or you're whatever. So he's, he's giving assignments that are very small little pieces of behavioral homework for people to take into the real world. And by the way, he's working on a book about this. So hopefully soon we will all be using it and assigning it and recommending it. Well, I want to hear more about that. I gave him a hand wave. Uh, like me, he was dressed in scrubs, but we didn't have a chance to uh, Yeah, talk. yes. I recruited him as a difficult person also. I have a lot of experience saying that he's difficult. (laughs) (laughs) Is it an echo chamber, Sheila? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, thank you so much for uh, joining us. Uh, You do your outside work through Triad Consulting, is that correct? That is right, yeah. What's the website for that? Triad is at triadconsultinggroup.com. And we do have a page, it's called Help Yourself, that has a bunch of follow-up articles, resources, a reader's guide for each book so that you can, uh, we have teams who read thanks for the feedback or read difficult conversations um, and use a reader's guide to talk about it on their teams. That's another way that you can like tap a few people around you and say, Hey, why don't we read, you know, a chapter and then talk about it and how we might apply it and how we might help each other. Um, Those also can be really rich and wonderful conversations that change those relationships, by the way, along the way. So I'm so glad I, Thought to ask you about Triad Consulting Group. I did not know about that free page. I will recommend it to others. Right now, I just want to say thanks a ton for joining us on Agility at Work. And thank you so much for being willing to join us to play a little bit and be so difficult. (laughs) It comes naturally. Let's remind people about how they can chat with us and with their fellow listeners on our Negotiation 360 website. Well, it's not just the chat that they can have with us and other listeners, but there are other resources uh, on the site. Um, You can find my Negotiation 360 self-assessment and best practice app. There are links to online courses, and we're putting up 
articles that you and I have written together and maybe some others as well. So there's lots of stuff on agile negotiation and adaptive leadership. Much of it is free. We've even simplified the URL for podcast listeners. Here's how to find us. Just key in the letter N, as in negotiation, and the numbers 360.expert. That's N360.expert, and you'll find us.